Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Bree, and I am joined today by one of my internet friends, and I'm like so excited we're finally sitting down and actually talking. My friend Nadia, who has a bookstagram account, Nadia's Bookish World 86, is joining me today. Nadia, thank you for hopping on with me. I know it's early on your side of the country, so good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's quite early here in Cali. I just finished my cup of coffee, just trying to get some energy and wake up. <laughs> but I'm so I'm always happy to talk about books, always. Yay! And we were talking before, like before we hit record. <laughs> like <laughs> our childhood sounds so similar. Like we both moved around a lot. Like you're originally like a Chicago girl, but you're like a California transplant now. Like. <laughs> Does Cali feel like home? Like, do you know, do you feel like you are settled there or do you feel like, you know, a couple of years you would want to possibly move again? Like, how it, do you feel? It does feel like home now. Like I've, I've literally been in Cali for about 21 years now. So it, it absolutely feels like home. I could pack up and leave. Like I always have that in me where I'm just kind of ready to go. Yeah. Um, but it absolutely feels like home because my husband is from here. All of our family is here now. And so, yeah, I, I feel settled. I feel rooted. <laughs> yeah. When I think of Cali, I think you think of like the big, the big LA's, the big, San Francisco's and it just all seems so glamorous but like hearing especially like a friend that like moved there like what about it now like obviously like your family has moved out there too but like is it the location like does it does it feel like because even the city that you live in is like a big city but does it feel small town like it does it do you have that like small town sense of community feel like how does it feel like home for you? You know, so I live in Pasadena and mm -hmm. it does feel, even though it's a big city, it does feel very small where we are because we literally are within walking distance of our, our church. You know, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law live, you know, 10 minutes away. And so we are very, it's a very close knit part of Pasadena. Um, and even though it is a big city, and then my parents live in Simi Valley, which is about 30 minutes away, and that's a very small suburban town. And so it's even within the big city, it's very small town, which which yeah. I love. It's it's very familiar. It's very small town. I love small towns. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, see, I've been like, I don't know why I've been super extra with this this year. <laughs> I, I, I guess because I feel like small town romance is having a moment. I don't know where it came from or why mm -hmm. I personally started feeling like that. I think I was seeing the girls on Instagram with these like small town romance era t-shirts mm -hmm. and things. And I'm like, when I started reading romance, I started with like sweet small town. I started with Debbie May Comber and kind of like worked my way from there. So like all small town. Uh, and I feel like when I first started, it wasn't that, I don't want to say it wasn't that popular, but I, I don't think people really differentiated between like one or the other. And then obviously like watching Hallmark, majority mm -hmm. of the time, small town. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, 
I feel like it's having this boom, right? And like, I too live in a city, like I live in San Antonio Mm -hmm. and San Antonio feels like a bunch of small towns that make one big city. And like you said, like you kind of have your section of where you live Mm -hmm. and you kind of stay there because everything you need is within driving distance or when within walking distance so even when I'm reading small town romances I'm like I get these same feels Mm -hmm. from where I live (laughs) which has millions of people (laughs) absolutely my husband and I just took a library trip yesterday and so there's there's a bunch of branches library branches where we live but I sort of go between two and they know me by name they know pretty much like if something new comes in they they let me know they call me and they're like hey Nadia I have this on order so that familiar feeling of hey these people know me I know them you know I'll go to the local Starbucks they know my order so (laughs) Even though within a big city, you, you still have your your sections where it's like, okay, this feels familiar. This feels like home, right? This feels like I found my place. It's very comfortable. It's very cozy. And I love what you know what you said about the small town in in romance. I too love Hallmark. I, I you know I'm obsessed with Hallmark. And but I think for me, my um, my first sort of love of small town was when I watched Gilmore Girls for the first time and I saw it on screen and I'm just like I love that I love going to the local coffee shop going to the bookstore and having everyone in town sort of know you and protect you in a way right and so everyone's sort of looking out for each other and I believe when Gilmore Girls came out I was just starting high school but I didn't really watch it until my junior or senior year of, of high school. But when I watched it, I fell in love with the community of it. And I think that's what I also look for in books. Is there a sense of community within these books? Is there a, a sense of friendship within these books? So that for me is an instant love. That was your first time watching it. Have you watched it since as an adult or no? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I'm Because I'm trying... I completely missed the Gil- Gilmore Girls train when it was coming out. I don't know where mm-hmm. I was in life. And I've been trying to watch it. Like my daughter and I have slowly been making our way through season one. And I say slowly, meaning very slowly. <laughs> like we'll watch two or three episodes and then maybe not watch anything for months. Um, and I I, I think I just need to get through like some of the awkward season one episodes, like mm-hmm. the snobby blonde girl at the new school that doesn't like Rory because she's smart or whatever. I like, I hear it all gets better, but like um, once you watched it again as an adult, did it hit the same for you or, or what? It, it hit completely differently. So like I said, in 2005, when I discovered it, it was already, you know, like five seasons into the show And so I was sort of coming in to an already established show, you know, and I rewatched it because I I believe at the time it was on Freeform or ABC Family. So throughout the week, you would watch five episodes a week. So that's pretty much how I caught up. I would watch rerun episodes every single day after school. Um, But as an adult watching it, 
it's completely different. I actually rewatched it with my husband and we, we fight about this all the time. He is team Dean. I am team just, we, we fight about it constantly. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Like pick a side. Right. But it's, it's different as an adult because I'm looking through it through the mom's eyes now instead of the daughter's. Yeah, you were a teen girl when you first watched it. So you were all team Rory. Absolutely. And I believe in a lot of ways I was Rory. That's why I loved it so much. There Mm -hmm. were a lot of elements of Rory that I could identify with. And what's what's uh, her mom's mom's name? Like, what's Rory's grandmother's name? Uh, Emily Emily Gilmore. Okay, I have a friend who swears that Emily Gilmore is like the smartest character on that show. <laughs> you know, yes. Okay. Yeah. And I I don't think I really realized that until I watched it as an adult, and then I watched the um, sort of like the reboot which, you know, sort of happened a few years after the actual show ended. So there, there's a series on a year in the life of Gilmore Girls Mm -hmm. after the show ended. And I look back and the things that I did not appreciate about Emily Gilmore watching it the first time through, I could see it through completely different eyes. And I understood why she did a lot of the things that she did. And a lot of people sort of made Emily to be the villain because she had this teenage daughter who had a child as a teenager and a lot of the choices that she made, you know, even though Lorelai didn't like, it was a lot of the choices that her mother made for her was for her own good. And mm-hmm. I see that now as an adult and I'm thinking, oh Emily, you were you were actually a good mom. You were yeah. a good mom. You were you were a great wife, a good mom, and you did what you had to do at that time. It sounds so brilliant because it sounds like it's one of those shows that you can return to like at different phases of your life. And like you said, like if you're a teenage girl, you're going to be all team Rory because I mean, we're all we're we all like the boy that's kind of the bad boy. And we didn't actually do anything. We literally just stayed in the barn and read all night until we fell asleep. You know, like we all we can totally identify with Rory. But then you become a little bit older and her mom makes more sense. And then later on, the grandmother makes sense. Like, I just think that that sounds like really brilliant writing. Like you're you enjoy it enough to keep coming back. But then you take something different or identify a little bit more with a different character each time. Right. Absolutely. And I love the relationship between Rory and Emily because I am very close with my grandmother. And I look at the relationship between Rory and Emily like um, in Princess Diaries, Mia and the you know her grandmother the queen i i love their relationship their very close knit relationship and so when i look at that i just love that connection because it reminds me of my own relationship with my grandmother and i thought that that was something that was brilliantly brought to the table is that even though emily and lorelai didn't have the the best relationship she looked to have a good relationship with her granddaughter, her only grandchild. And that was beautiful. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. I you know, that and that is so true to for a lot of like grandparent relationships. Like almost like a I know I could have done a lot better with my own child, mm-hmm. but I have this grandchild now and it's almost like a new opportunity to like get it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Okay, now I'm motivated to finally sit down. <laughs> watch it a little bit more it it is really good it is really good 
It is. I, I try to rewatch it like every fall. Like, so when September, October comes around, I will press replay and rewatch it from the beginning. I think my favorite seasons are probably seasons one through four. Okay. And those that, that's because those are kind of like the Jess years and I'm completely obsessed with Jess. <laughs> and for me, this is for, you know, for me, I think he is probably the most um, well-developed character. Like you see the immaturity, you see the, sort of the bad boy as a teen, but you really see him in later years mature as an adult. And I love that. I absolutely love how they do that. I love it. <laughs> I love hearing about our ships. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was thinking, I was like, because I, there was this um, tweet on Twitter and it was like uh, to tweet a character or movie character, like a TV character or movie character mm-hmm. that you wanted to be growing up. And I was just like, man, a lot of girls probably would think like Rory from Gilmore Girls, right? Like they, you know, that's who a lot of girls came home and watched. And mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like for, for like our generation, which I think, I don't know, were we a little bit younger or older than Rory? I can't really remember. But like, I just remember being a kid in the 90s. And there was a lot of TV that was actually geared for us as kids. Mm -hmm. So I don't really remember there being a lot of shows. Like I remember like the Dawson's Creeks and stuff like that as, as, as we got older, they were already a little older than us. Like I just, (laughs) I think at that time, you know, when like Dawson's Creek came out, um, I think, because I'm 36. How old are you? I'm not 36 too. I'll be 37 in November. So I think at that time when Dawson's Creek came out, we were like in middle school. So they were older than us. Yeah, they were older. But I, okay, so because I grew up watching soap operas as a child, which I probably should not have been (laughs) watching soap operas, I love the drama. I love watching, you know, dramatic shows. So I was watching 90210 and Party of Five. You know, oh girl, you were really in it then because I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, teen shows, and I actually, I think Gilmore Girls was the first teen show that I kind of watched as a teen because all the other shows that were on the air at that time I watched as an adult, like The OC. I watched as an adult, One Tree Hill, I watched as an adult. And I'm glad I watched those as an adult because if I watched them as a teen, I probably would have had a different outlook on those shows. But for me, Gilmore Girls, because I could connect with um, being sort of the bookish girl, the one who was always concerned about academics, I could, I saw myself in on screen in a way. And yeah. so I think that's why I connected so well to, to Gilmore Girls. And I could be totally wrong about this but I I feel like like you said so we're like in middle school when you Mm -hmm. have like the Dawson's Creeks and all of that so they are older than us Mm -hmm. and then I feel like I got into high school and like I didn't like I I didn't watch Dawson's Creek I remember being obsessed with kind of the like 30 minute tv teen comedies so like there was a show called USA High where I think all of the kids lived. They had to have lived overseas somewhere. Like I'm, I'm assuming maybe their parents were military or something. You never knew. Like, right. I don't know where these kids were, but they lived in like dorms and everybody had relationships and all mm-hmm. of that. Like you mostly saw them 
insides. I don't even know where they were, but like that and like California dreams, but they were older than us. And then I feel like when I, oh, oh my gosh. And I don't know if you remember this, but Saved by the Bell had the new class, which was more like an urban high school setting. I was obsessed. It came on um, one Saturday morning. (laughs) But then when I, 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 I'm like, I think back to my actual teenage years and I'm like, what did I watch? Because that era of like having teenage shows that I was interested in was kind of over. Yeah, I I agree. It was sort of like you had like a bum rush of things in like sort of the late 90s, early 2000s. And then you sort of have the mid early to mid 2000s. And it was kind of like there were a few, but not really that fit where we were at that time. Yeah. You know, and, and then, like you said, then it became reality. That's when I, I remember yeah, too, yeah. like I was kind of obsessed with the OC for a little bit, but I was grown then. Like, I was an yeah. Adult. yeah, yeah, there was not, there weren't many, there were not many shows on at that time that was sort of, you know, geared towards, you know, towards our age group at that time. I, I always ask my husband because we're, we're two years apart. He's two years younger than me. And I always ask him, have you seen this show? Have you seen that show? And he's just like, no. And I I keep telling him, I cannot be the only one who watched this show. Like clearly <laughs> other people were watching this show. So when you said USA High, I mentioned that all the time in California Dreams. I like, yes, finally, someone who knows what I'm talking about. Girl, you know? yes. We're, I mean, anytime you have to hit me up, because I'll say USA Hi, and people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, mm-hmm. this Winnie and her, I don't know, it was like an interracial romance. I always forget her boyfriend's name, but I was obsessed with him. Like, And, you know, my husband, he always says, well, did you, didn't you watch like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? I said, I watched it, but you have to remember that show ended in 96. Like, yeah, we were, we were kids. Yeah, we were kids, right? Yeah. And yeah. so thinking about shows at that time that were our age group, I really have to go back and think, like, what was I watching at, at that time? I remember just watching a lot of Nick at Night, a lot of... Yes. You oh, know, gosh. I loved... I switched between Disney and, you know, and Nickelodeon. Those were, like, my two sort of stations that I would go back and forth with. But it was... I feel like I was alone at that time because no one else was watching what I was watching. No one was interested in what I was, what I was interested in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The amount of times of like, you didn't grow up watching this. And I'm like, no, like Mm -hmm. my mom worked at the cable company and made sure that we had Nickelodeon. Like if all else we had Nickelodeon Mm -hmm. and I was like, I was a kid. I watched the kid shows that were actually mm-hmm. made for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> oh my God. And like you said, oh gosh, and then Nick at Night would come on and it was like two episodes of I Love Lucy, two episodes of The Wonder Years, Happy Days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so good. I mean, it was so good. <laughs> Do you ever think of like the things that you, like the shows that you were obsessed with, like were they kind of, uh, I mean, I have to ask you your romance origin story, but like, were those kind of like um, part of the story without you maybe realizing it? Absolutely. I think it sort of cultivated my tastes without, like I said, without even realizing it. I was just pretty much attracted to um, what seemed familiar to me. Um I remember watching What I Like About You with Amanda Bynes. And so I went through a Amanda Bynes phase 
during that time and being obsessed with all things Amanda Bynes, right? And so I would watch um, What a Girl Wants over and over again. And so I cultivated a love for musicians and a love, and ironically enough, my husband is a musician. And, and, right. and so without even thinking, like I liked that sort of um, ideal smart guy who maybe was either theatric or musical in some sense, or even maybe a little bit bit athletic, but someone who was down to earth and sort of like a cute sort of way. So when I look at romance, whether it be in television or books, that's sort of what I look for, sort of like that nice guy with maybe a little bit of an edge, you know, but could make, could take you on an adventure, right? And, and, And teach you some things. And, and, show you the world, so to speak. So I think without even realizing it, the shows that I grew up watching and the the sort of on-screen crushes that I had absolutely cultivated a taste in me without my even realizing it. Yeah, because I think um, with for us, for our age, our age group, like as kids, I was a huge R.L. Stein Goosebumps reader. Like, mm-hmm. I did not, unfortunately, read Babysitter's Club. I'm reading the mysteries now, and they are <laughs> so good. But then when I hit that era of the USA Highs, the, the California Dreams, the Saved by the Bell, the new class, I was in it for the romances. And I was like, I'm growing up. Right? <laughs> you know, like, I'm sorry, Arl Stein. It's been a good run. But like, I'm in it for these love stories on TV. You know, this person. And it's always, it was so funny because like California Dreams, like, uh, oh gosh, the the, the um, guitarist, he was kind of, he always had the leather jacket, rode the motorcycle. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I remember he dated Tiffany, right? The blonde yeah. girl. And then they broke up and he was with, I think her name was Lorena, like the Hispanic girl, really gorgeous. But then he, they like break up and he's back with Tiffany. And I'm like, this is a friend group. <laughs> and this isn't awkward at all. I, those things and, and the drama of it all, the drama and sort of like, this is my friend, like you have tests of friendship, you have that coming of age, falling in love. And it to me, I I will eat it up every single time, even now, like just watching a show or a movie or even reading a book, the journey of falling, falling in love. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And because I didn't really, I really didn't date as a teen. Like I was so busy with school and moving around and just trying to stay on track for academics. And I loved my books. I loved my TV shows. And so I was very comfortable in my own little corner of the world, right? And so watching romance through television or in books was sort of, you know, my outlet. So that's why I I gravitated towards romance as much as I did. So have you always been a romance reader? Like, tell me your your romance origin story. How did did we get here? Um, (laughs) let's see. I... I think I want to say I like my first experience of romance in a book. Or... Yeah, like the first, you know, picking up that first romance novel, which it just sounds like, I mean, you you said you loved soap operas and you watched yeah. those as a kid. So I feel like this has always been the path for you. It has always been. I just remember, I, gosh, I can't even remember as far as in books what I really gravitated towards as far as romance but I just remember on 
watching the soap operas and in the in the mid 90s watching like Young and the Restless and watching a young Nick and Sharon fall in love in high school and it was forbidden because she was the poor girl from the wrong side of the tracks and he was the rich guy and the the football player and just sort of that son of Victor Newman yeah yeah (laughs) the the forbidden romance and you know and her her mom being um in in a wheelchair and her having to take care of her and Nick's mom not liking Sharon and that whole combative, you know, combative thing. I I loved it as a kid. And now looking back on it, I'm thinking, what was what were my parents thinking allowed me to watch watch that? But I it really cultivated sort of that forbidden young love, you know, type thing. And then as I got older, like late nineties, early two thousands, I remember watching General Hospital and watching Lucky and Elizabeth and their friendship. They had a friendship and she had a traumatic experience at a school dance and that friendship cultivated into a romance. And having such a crush on Jonathan Jackson at the time, I remember watching Tuck Everlasting. Maybe that's what it was. Tuck Everlasting, reading the book, watching Tuck Everlasting and falling in love. Like, I remember being so obsessed with Tech Everlasting and loving that romance. And so that young love, young romance sort of sparked a a love of, of romance. Yeah. And so I, I look, even if it's not a romantic book, I look for romance in every book that I read. Yeah. Just, a little, just a little sprinkle of it. <laughs> so did you ever read like, um, like I... I went through a YA phase, which when we were growing up, we didn't have young adult. I don't know what it was called, (laughs) but like, so I feel like I discovered YA. I was like 20, 24, 25, Mm -hmm. like, you know, mid twenties. And I fell really hard into it. Like there are some really amazing, I think, I just think YA is doing some really powerful things I feel like more so now than maybe when I picked it up but just like yeah that beauty and that intensity of like falling in love for the first time and like it just feels so real and so definite like I remember reading Morgan Matson and Jenny Han like those teen romances and I'm like I think back to me being a teenager and I'm like where were these books when I was a teen girl I would have obsessed over them yeah, I don't really remember there being sort of like a specific um, book or author that was specifically writing for for people our age, right? Yeah. I just sort of picked up whatever was at the local library or whatever I could find on maybe like a Target or Walmart shelf. Like I really wasn't, I didn't know what to look for. And so it was sort of, I picked up pretty much anything, but I- yeah. I was reading fantasy for such a long time. Like my love of reading actually came from the Chronicles of Narnia and going through all of that. um, I sort of cultivated a love of world building. And so that's what I was reading up until like maybe early adulthood. (laughs) And then I think I, I think I started with like, the hardcore romance. So when I say hardcore romance, I mean like I discovered 
Maya Banks and Shayla Black and um, E.L. James. And so I really kind of jumped headfirst into Girl, when you jumped, you jumped. (laughs) When I I say I literally didn't know what I was looking for, I literally picked up the thing, whatever was at, um, I was working at Walmart at the time. And so I would help stock the shelves. And so whatever was the new release or whatever looked good on the cover, I I read, right? I remember reading, um, there's a Maya Banks book um, called Shade of Grey. And so it has this pretty girl on the cover and it's actually, it's a KGI series. So they're military. She goes through a traumatic experience. And so I love the the love of friendship in that book. I love her friend being able to help her out through the experience. And she actually falls in love at, you know, after the traumatic experience. And so there's a lot of therapy in the book. There's a lot of traumatic overcoming trauma in the book. And so that for me was sort of as an adult, I, I think I was maybe 24, 25 years old, reading that and loving, loving that sort of writing, you know. And so once I once I got over that, then I was reading romance all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I I feel like the girl the young girls will never know what it's like our experience and you know the generations before us of they're not being an Instagram or a TikTok with like recommendations being thrown at you (laughs) you just kind of and then being like girls of color like being black girls specifically Mm -hmm. like you just if it wasn't at the store you weren't getting it and you didn't know really what was out there and existed depending on like where you lived you know like I in high school I was lucky because i I lived in Memphis in high school. And so I got introduced to like urban. It was like we had an entire urban fiction store in the mall. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading a lot of those and I was in it for the romances. But it was more I think it was more like romantic suspense, but like a little bit more towards the suspense element than the romance. There was a lot of cliffhangers. Um and, you know, I now that I look back on it, I'm like, those had to be like the early steps of me finally, eventually finding romance before I turned 30. <laughs> Absolutely. And I remember my mom, would, my mom was not really a reader, but she always kept like, um, what do you call it? What, what's his name? John, the, the writer of like A Time to Kill, John Grisham. John Grisham. Grisham yep. mm-hmm. um, and so I was reading like, you know, mystery books and crime books and just to sort of fill that void of reading something right because we always had a cop show go you know in the background at on you know at home whether it was like New York Undercover or Walker Texas Ranger or Law and Order whatever it was at that time and so crime books sort of is what I read at that time, but I was always longing for the romance of it, right? I remember watching Dr. Quinn, um, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, and loving the relationship between Dr. Quinn and Sully. And I'm like, I want something like that. I want that type. I want that in a book. What can I get that? <laughs> and really having to search for it because I didn't know, I didn't know where to look. And at that time, that was like internet was still new. Yeah, (laughs) you know like we I had I literally had like my my parents kept dictionaries and encyclopedias like on their shelves so I would go through whatever was on our shelf 
go to the local library, go to the local book fair. Um, we would go to Goodwill on the weekend and see, you know, what was available for like a dollar or two. And it wasn't, you know, much like you, it wasn't until I was an adult and really sort of making my own money that I would actively search out, okay, well, this is what I like, where can I find this? You know, and I sort of had to figure it out on my own. I think it's so much easier now for young people growing up because they literally can click on Goodreads or Google or, you know, Instagram and and really just search out exactly what they want because it's everywhere. And we have so much better access to books. I mean, thank God for libraries. You can still physically go in the library. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a phone, you can literally check out books on Libby, which I think is Mm -hmm. a lifesaver. You have audiobooks. Even if you don't like have an actual Kindle, if you have the Kindle app, I mean, you can, you know, you can read. We just, it's, there's no excuse, I feel like, to not read at least a couple of books a year because we have so much access to books. Right. And, and because it's so easy, um, you know, I was, I was telling my husband yesterday, I said, I, I love this library ranch that we went to. I said, but there's, there's not a whole lot of, um, diverse books like there's really not a whole lot of books by people of color and I wish that there were right mm-hmm. and but on my Libby app I have access to everything and in yeah. all formats and so I love that it's so accessible and whatever I need it's literally right there at my fingertips yeah. and so I do find myself sort of uh reading more books than I know what to do with because there was sort of a deficit growing up <laughs> <laughs> there was, there literally was. I literally just read whatever I could get my hands on. And even maybe that's why I started writing because I was writing what I didn't see available. And yeah. so I had like notebooks full of stories and sort of like notes of what I wanted a love story to be, but didn't really see it on paper. Like what were you looking for? Like what I, what were you looking for? I was looking for, I wanted, I always loved the the idea of sort of having that being rescued in such in in a way like having that that nice guy sort of whisk you away and encourage you and have a friendship and a romance and so I was writing stories of meeting someone at the local library and your eyes just connect across the room (laughs) oh gosh yes so so super cheesy right um I Nick, okay, so I was reading Nicholas Sparks in high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember the notebook came out in the summer of 2005. And I went to the movie theaters multiple times to see the notebook. And looking at the notebook thinking, yes, this is what romance is supposed to be like. When I'm old and gray and have lost my memory, I want you to remind me of our romance story. That's what I want. Please yes. do this. And oh so my gosh. that for me was, I, I want you to love me unconditional, right? I want you to love me through the good and the bad, no matter what, right? And and so that for me was was sort of the um, what kind of catapulted me into unconditional love romance. Like I yes. love a romance that ha- that's not really that easy. That's not really that that simple. Like you have to overcome some things. Um, I love that. I love a, a little bit of a struggle romance, so to speak. Because you want to believe that they're going to stay together, mm-hmm. you know, like um, my husband's gotten me into watching 911 and 911 Lone Star. Okay. And 
I it's on I think it's in Lone Star. It's in Lone Star. There's a couple, Carlos and Tyler, and one of them, I think it was Tyler, he had a fear. One of them, don't guys, don't quote me, okay? I'm I'm new to the show. But he his dad's brother had part was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And I guess it's like a um hereditary disease. Mm -hmm. And so the dad was worried and then the son became worried and they were engaged. And so he's like, let's put this off until I know. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, I don't, one day I may forget who you are. And the Mm -hmm. the fiance is like, well, I'll just remind you every day of who I am and that you're my soulmate. And, you know, and I was like, oh God, that's it. That's what we want. (laughs) We want to believe that you're going to stay together. And you're telling him, Mm -hmm. I know you have, you may potentially have this Mm -hmm. disease that you will forget who I am one day, but I I will still be here and I will remind you every day of who I am. I'm not going anywhere. I was like, yes, girl. I was sobbing. I was a mess. <laughs> yes, I love it. I absolutely love it. We're yes. such suckers. It's the best. <laughs> okay. So like one thing that I'm like asking friends when I have you guys, like when you guys share your time with me and come on here, like mm-hmm. what's your romance era right now? Like what are you obsessed with right now? Okay. So two things right now I'm obsessed with uh, marriage of conveniences. I, I absolutely, I love a good marriage of convenience. Girl. Yes. Look, love- okay. To me, God tier marriage convenience, any of the like fake romance tropes. Yes. They're not going anywhere in my opinion. So, and, and I just thought of something now. So marriage of convenience, I just realized was actually sort of like put in me when I was watching the love come softly movies on Hallmark. It just came to me like, I, I haven't read the books yet, but I, when I say I binged that entire series and it's my dad's fault actually, because it came on like TBN. So it was like a faith-based type of, type mm-hmm. of movie. And so I watched the entire series on Hallmark and I love the, the marriage of convenience. Okay. We don't really know each other, but we're going to get to know each other, right? Our love will grow, right? We, we don't have to love each other right now, but at least, you know, we need each other. And so we're in it for the long haul. And so I love that that type of, we're going to go through this together and we we may not like it, but we're going to survive it together. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that you can pinpoint the roots of like where your love, love of it comes from. Yes. Clearly. <laughs> and, you know, uh, there was this movie called The Magic of Ordinary Days. It came out in 2005, and um, Carrie Russell and Skeet Ulrich, it was a, a, what do you call it, Hallmark Hall of Fame, sort of like, remember those movies where Mm -hmm. they would have the Hallmark Hall of Fame, and then they would have these elaborate commercials, they would come on on Sunday nights on CBS. Yes. (laughs) I'm truly dating myself, because they don't (laughs) have that anymore. Um, And it was, I I, I don't know if it was a book, but I know it was it. The movie, the movie came out in 2005, and I remember it was a, the movie was set in like the 1940s, and she was an unmarried mother expecting, and so they were just like, no, you're going to get married, and you're going to get married to this nice guy, you're going to live on his farm, and you're going to just, you know, it's, it's better for you if you are married when this baby comes, and so they were getting to know each other, and that whole period of just the little things he would do, like get to know what she likes like he he went to the library and checked out a book um I think it was the Iliad he read this book because she read the book and she was interested in that 
And so he was reading books on things that she was interested in getting to know her. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Oh, I love, I love that. it. Yes, yes. I love it. When you can take the time to get to know what that other person is interested in, even though you don't know them, but okay, I'm going to take the steps to get to know you through this way. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and one of my favorite marriage of convenience books is Western Waves by Brittany Cherry. When I read that book, I literally, these were two completely opposite people that were sort of thrown together in this marriage and they had to figure it out basically. And they did not necessarily like each other. I remember one of the opening scenes was they were at this coffee shop and she ordered her favorite pastry and he actually was in line ahead of her, ordered the very pastry that she wanted, offered to pay for it. He ate it right in front of her and was just like, sorry, I got here first sort of thing. (laughs) And from that moment on, she was just like, I can't stand you. There's no way I'm marrying you. Like, no, no. It, I, I love it, but you see the, the growth of their love story. So Western Ways is absolutely one of my favorite marriage of convenience books. And it's sort of, you have grief and loss in it, but it's also a getting to know you type of story. Um, I love the, I love a good slow burn. Instant love is not for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I can't, <laughs> I cannot I love that you mentioned Brittany, uh, Brittany Cherry because mm-hmm. I, I chatted with Samantha from Everlasting Bookworm recently mm-hmm. and she was talking about her. She's like, I don't know why more people aren't talking about Brittany Cherry. Yeah. And I've had the opportunity, like we, I was part of a book club a couple of years ago and she like popped on and like, you know, chatted with us for a couple of minutes and mm-hmm. she's so nice. And I mean, talk about a woman who knows how to like capture like the real live raw like emotions of like falling in love I don't know how to explain it she's so good absolutely my my first experience with Britney Cherry I had not even heard of Britney Cherry I had no clue who Britney Cherry was until the mixtape came out Mm -hmm. and it came up on my um sort of first reads Amazon first reads and so I I got that book, I read that book, and instant, I literally read that book in one sitting, cried my eyes out. And so I said, if a book can make me cry, if an author can write a book that can make me cry, sold. Give it, give it to me, please. Yeah. I need all the emotions. I need all the emotions, right? And so that was that was the book that made me fall in love with Britney Cherry was the mixtape. And so I've I've slowly gone through her catalog and and sort of the um the Compass series I've completed and I will probably reread at some point because she's just that good, she's just that good of ca- you know captivating all aspects of love in different types of love. I love it. Well, you said you had two. So you said Marriage of Convenience. What's your other romance era? Marriage of Convenience. And I, you know, I love, I love a good hockey romance. I don't know why I'm in sort of like my hockey romance era, but I I am. I don't even watch hockey. I am not a sports person at all, but I will love it in a book. Absolutely. Okay, so how did you get here with the hockey? I want to say I just sort of kept watching different um, different hockey videos on you know, Instagram and and TikTok. And so I want to say my first sort of hockey book that I read was 
It's Semi Disposition by Deanna Gray. Okay. That that book, and it was I literally saw it on someone's page on TikTok, and you you get a, it's a dual POV where they you have this hot this sort of cocky hockey player, and he is basically in love with the girl that he sort of he plays video games with, and so he's in this chat room with her, and he he doesn't really know who she is, she doesn't know who he is, but they form a friendship and they meet in real life not knowing that that's who the other person is, right? And so they hate each other in real life, but love each other online. It's it's the weirdest thing, right? But it's so cute. It's so cute. And so from Sunny Disposition, um, I just absolutely fell in love, you know, with that sort of, with that air. And the next book that I read from my hockey romance was Until I Get You by Claire Contreras. And so that's one of her new, newest releases. She's so good. Oh, my first ever <laughs> soccer romance was by her. And that was actually, Until I Get You was actually my first Claire Contreras book. Okay. And I had heard about her from so many different people. And I think it was, um, I think it was Melanie on, I forgot her, her, page name but um she does the 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 steam box books um and when I saw her talk about this book I thought okay now I need to go through Claire's entire back catalog because that's what I do I read one book by an author I love it I have to read their their entire back It's it's only right, right? (laughs) That is literally the best feeling ever of like, okay, I liked this book by you and I see that you have 86 books in your backlist. Here I come. (laughs) And and so that getting to know Claire's style of writing just through that one book, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to learn what else is out there. Yeah. Well, we got, we have like your romance era, like the things that you are currently obsessed with, but like being online, like you do Instagram, you have TikTok, like looking around you, you know, when you go to the library, when you're at the bookshop, how does romance feel like that? What is, what is the feel of the genre feel like for you? Like right now? It feels very, um, I see a lot of the covers that I see, it's a lot of like uh, illustrated covers, which honestly, I'm not a fan of illustrated covers. Okay, give me the give me the thesis. I, Why not? I'm not. Um, it, 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 and it all depends on the book. It does. Every, every book is different, but I prefer to either see a person on the cover or an object. Okay. That, that's me. Or even just a, um, a place. Yeah. Um, and for me, illustrated covers just seem very juvenile. Like the the book may be great, I you know, but it kind of at first glance kind of turns me off. Like I have to force myself to if I don't love the cover and it's an illustrated cover, but I know the author, I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to read the synopsis and, you know possibly give it a chance based off of the author not the cover because I'm a, a harsh judge a cover by its you know judge a book by its cover person I am I okay. am yeah and I have you know I am unapologetic about that I will judge your cover I will I mean it is part of the packaging you okay. you know it you Absolutely. have a couple of seconds for a person to decide based okay. off of what the cover looks like and the title if they're gonna pick up the book or not so yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And so I, and I haven't necessarily always been like that, but I think I see so many sort of like um, illustrated covers where I've, I've picked up and it's been like really, really popular on, on TikTok or Instagram. And I pick it up and the book for me just does not mesh well. And I'm, I'm instantly regretting the time that I spent reading this book. They can be really misleading. Yeah, they they absolutely can. And I, I'm all for trigger warnings. I'm all for give me what to expect in this book without giving the whole plot away and story away. Um, but I, I found that I can't always uh, trust another person's or the, the popular majority consensus on certain books. So that's why I, I go to certain individuals that we have similar reading tastes where I'm just like, okay, what did this person think about this book? I trust their judgment. I definitely trust your judgment. I will go to your page. And especially with um, with like Avon books or like um, Harlequin, I'm sorry, Harlequin books. Mm-hmm. I love those books so much. And I will look at your page because I don't see them advertised anywhere else. And so I love the little mass market books. I know, aren't they just like this tiny little hug? Protect mass markets at all costs, people, okay? I just think of it as like one of those, one of these days they may unfortunately be gone and we'll really be missing them. Yeah, because unless I really absolutely love the book, I'm not going to go out and, you know, and purchase a $25 hardcover book. I'm just not going to do it, right? Um, Paperback, okay, but the little mass market books that I can, you know, throw in my purse and carry it around and it be comfortable. I love it so much, right? Yeah. I love it so much. You sound like such an like an OG romance reader that's like, I want people on the cover. And for the longest, like that was what people were almost mm-hmm. ashamed of. Like people yeah. were so proud of a Kindle because like now people don't know what I'm reading. And I'm like, I think there's like that percentage of us that are too like, mind your own business. If you don't like what I'm reading, mm-hmm. just look the other way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please give me like people on the cover. (laughs) I think with like the illustrated thing, it's interesting because I love like the books that, well, I mean, Book Depository is no longer with us, I guess, but like Mm -hmm. ordering the books from the UK, like their illustrated covers were, are like really whimsical and Mm -hmm. sweet. Like they're totally different, I think, than our illustrated covers. Like if I had to pick a preference, I would easily be like, I'll just order them from overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am seeing like, I love Melanie Harlow, for instance, in the in the yeah. indie world. And her latest book is literally just like this pretty, I think, bright bluish cover okay. with, with font. Like there is no real illustration. It's just like the title of the book. And I'm like, I'm not really mad at this. <laughs> you know what? Me neither. Because sometimes it's all in the simplicity of it. Um, I remember watching... Uh, an interview with Naima Simone. And when I say her Rosebin series, all of the covers are so gorgeous. And the road to Rosebin, and someone had asked her, what was your, you know, your thought process behind this cover? And she said, I was a fan of Thomas Kincaid. And I'm like, yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely, right? 
all hail Queen Naima Simone. Right? And I said yes, because when you look at the Rosebend series books, it looks like this cozy, beautiful, small town that you just want to live in. You just want to plant yourself in. And the cover alone is so cozy. It's so beautiful. I could take, I, I bought the book. I found it at Target. And there were a lot of copies and I'm just like, I probably because more people were buying it online, but I was so happy to get that book as soon as it came out. And that's the book that I could take to a local coffee shop and be just so cozy with my coffee and pastry and think nothing of it just reading this cozy little book, right? Yeah. And and I love it. Unapologetically, I love it. Well, like Instagram, TikTok, like how do the how does the world of like recommendations feel? It feels very what do you call it? Like very follow train-ish, where if you see a trend or you see what's popular, then everyone is talking about it. Everyone's jumping on that train, right? And everyone is recommending the same thing. And that even though a book may be popular, a book may very well be good, doesn't necessarily mean that it's for me. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I love it when in recommendations, people say, well, if you love this, then read this. Right. Yeah. If you love this in a book, then read this. Or if you like this author, then you'll 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 like this. Oh, I love. Yeah, I love those. I love a read alike. Give us a read alike Mm -hmm. list. Because just because something is is newly released or it's a popular author doesn't necessarily mean that I will that I will like it. I I tend to read a lot of backlists. The only new books that I will read are by you know my auto buy authors mm-hmm. that I already know. Okay, I've read enough of your books that I will. If you have a new release, I'm gonna I'm gonna snatch it up, right? Or if I have an arc of a specific book. Other than that, I I wait a few weeks or even a few months and see how the book does and sort of like what what people are really saying. Or I'll go and read the backlist of that author first and then read the newer release. So I'm kind of like when it comes to recommendations, especially on new books, I'm very, very skeptical. (laughs) I really, I really am. Girl, we are kindred spirits because I am. Okay, look, I bought Happy Place Mm -hmm. by Emily Henry and it is still sitting (laughs) on my dresser in my bedroom. (laughs) I probably won't get to it for months. (laughs) Yeah, I have not read an Emily Henry book. I just read Tessa Bailey. Oh, gosh. I think I've read one Tessa Bailey so far in my life. <laughs> I just read Tessa Bailey and I and it's nothing it's nothing against her, but it I just for me, I'm just saying, eh, well, yeah. if everyone's talking about it, how good can it be? I'm, I'm right. I am yeah. that person like give me the hidden gem, right? Yeah. Give me the the book that no one talks about or that, yeah. that you don't hear about. I I want everybody to be done talking about it and then I'll go cuz I am a very like um I can be a biased person like oh mm-hmm. I just saw so and so talk about this on YouTube and then I go into that book hearing them in my head and it just affects my reading experience so yeah I need all the like the noise to kind of quiet down mm-hmm. uh and like you said like I just I like I'm such a backlist person like I don't yeah. like, the book's been out for like 10 years nobody's talking about it anymore like right. <laughs> right that that's exactly that's exactly how I am I need the 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 glow and the the bright lights to dim a little bit before <laughs> yeah before I'll go to it right that's kind of what's exciting about category though is like unfortunately like there will be these like bangers coming out from harlequin that i'll read Mm -hmm. and you get on goodreads and it's like less than 100 reviews and it's like 
this is actually something that everybody should actually be talking about, you know? So yeah, like you said, like hidden gems, I just think even with some new releases, like there tend to be hidden gem new releases, like these books Mm -hmm. that you want to scream from the rooftops about that, like nobody's going to be talking about. Right, right, exactly. There's one book, um, it's, it's by an independent author called, um, it's called Dear Yesterday by Lindsay Ray Red. And so I remember reading this book and I came across this author's page because someone shared, you know, a post that she had made. And you have this, you have this author, this, this girl who is going back to her hometown and she's sort of going back to, uh, a hometown that was less than thrilling for her, right? She goes through this horrible breakup in the beginning of the of the story. And then she's sort of having to face her past and it's very uncomfortable for her, right? So she's having to go back to sort of like the the grandmother that sort of raised her, but it's through like it's her foster grandmother sort of type thing. And so you have abandonment issues, you have talks of the foster care system, you have talks of sort of that found family. I, when I say I love this book so much, I will, you've probably seen me post about it multiple times because I will shout it from the rooftops until as many people can read this book as possible, right? And so it came out um, last April. And I remember when I was getting towards the end of the book, I was sobbing from the book and then I had found out of the news that um, that Naomi Judd had passed away that same day, right? So that entire weekend, I was a ball of emotions. I was just like, what am I going to do with myself? My husband's like, are you okay? Why are you crying? I'm like, one is from the book and one is from my, my childhood idol just passed away. Like I, I was I was consumed with emotion, right? Yeah. Um, but books that can can make you feel like I can relate to that. I, I love that. I love a good underdog story. And so, and also, like we said, books that no one is really talking about. Dear Yesterday, if if you have not read it, please, please, please pick it up, please. Oh I, I absolutely love that book. I will absolutely um, keep loving that book forever. Like it reminded me of um, This Is Us in sort of that community, small town, um, family type of book. Um, Hope Floats, if you've ever seen the movie Hope Floats. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, and and that's, that's the closest thing to it. When I read this book, I felt like I was, it was Hope Floats in book form. In a, in a lot of ways. Talk about an underrated Sandra Bullock movie. That I, movie is so good. So, and I didn't realize this until till an till I was an adult watching that movie. That Forrest Whitaker produced and directed that movie, and I I pay attention now to who produced this, who directed this. I I'm obsessed with it. I'm like that makes a lot of sense, right? With that movie, I always go back to it. I will forever, you know, rave about that um, that movie. And yeah, so that was sort of like a movie growing up that was popular. But now, because it's been so many years, no one really talks about it. And so those were the movies that I was watching. I was watching all the Sandra Bullock movies. I was watching all of the uh, Reese Witherspoon movies. The, of course, Julia Roberts movies. Those were all of the the sort of girls on, on screen that I absolutely adored. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Now I need to rewatch. <laughs> I need to rewatch Hope Floats. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, what book recommendations did you bring? Okay, so do you want it based off of theme and trope? However you want to deliver. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, so obviously for Marriage of Convenience, I had mentioned Western Waves by Brittany Cherry. But also there's a movie, there's a book by um, Shane Rose called Between Commitment and Betrayal. And so it's this Marriage of Convenience book um, where the guy is the business partner of this girl's father and the father passes away. And so they, they have to not only live together, work together, but maintain at least a one-year marriage in order to gain full control of this business, this business that her father built from the ground up. And um, the the guy's name is Declan, which I love the name Declan. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's from, um, what's what's that show? Revenge. I think it's from the show Revenge where I okay, love I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I, I've heard of a Declan before. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the name Declan. And so um, I had just finished a Lauren Asher book where the, the, uh, the main character's name was Declan. And I read this right after. So I'm just like, yeah, we're going to go with Declan. I love the name Declan. But the book is Between Commitment and Betrayal by Shane Rose. And so that is a, an instant marriage of convenient book that I just will absolutely love. Like I was halfway through reading the book. It was on Kindle Unlimited and I just automatically just bought the book because I knew that this was a book that I was going to reread eventually. So to absolutely put that on your list, if you love marriage of convenience books, like I, I fell head over heels um, with that book. Um, Another theme in a book that I love is the the power of forgiveness in a book. I love that where the character has been hurt in some way and they they basically have to go back and, you know, forgive whoever hurt them or whatever hurt them in order to to heal. Right. And I don't know if you've read The Simple Wild by K.A. Tucker. Girl, I have not. (laughs) So I have the books and everything. I only read book one. I only read book one. And once okay. again, I, it was such a popular book when it came out, I refused to read it. Right? I yes, that was me. I refused. And, <laughs> and so it's still I, talked about, I feel like. still talked about. And so I, I read this book and instead of, I mean, it is a romance book, but it's really the story of a daughter and her father. Mm. And that story, like that relationship between a father and a daughter, especially a father who has not raised you and you're sort of going back learning your roots I love it I absolutely love it that that book made me sob uncontrollably like I absolutely love that book it's one of it has become one of my favorites become one of my favorites um another book of forgiveness that I love is The House of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson I was about to say that's a new one okay yeah yeah, it's a new one and and I I chose that one because I love The Yellow Wife so much and it's sort of, you get a few of the, the storylines and characters from The Yellow Wife in this book. And so I had received an advanced copy before this came out. And when I read it, it's a dual POV. And it's, um, I just love this story so much because there it's a story of the choices that we make are not always the easiest, but it's, you know, whatever circumstance we're in, it's kind of like the cards that, you, that you're dealt sort of thing where what decisions are you going to make like yeah you're sort of in this crummy 
situation, but what are you going to do with it? How are you going to make your life better? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when I say I came out of that book with a, a sense of, um, you can't always judge the choices that people make because you have no idea what they're going through type of thing. And sometimes the hardest decisions that we make are not with our interests in mind, but with the interests of another person in mind. And so I just, I love that book so much. I love it. First off, like you just like sharing these like forgiveness books. I mean, we are all in our healing era. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hashtag (laughs) healing girl summer. So, and you know, like I, I love that, you know, we have, we all have friends who just pick up books to read them point blank period. That's it. But like, I feel like, and I just feel like we're such kindred spirits because like, I can't not read a book and not be trying to figure out what the author is trying to tell me. And a lot of times I don't even think they realize they're like, I was just writing a book. And I'm like, but no, right here, you were talking about like him, you know, the, the, (laughs) the survivor's guilt or whatever. It just has to mean so much more to some of us girls. I, I I love it so much. And one thing that I, even though it's it's not along the same lines, but when I read House of Eve and I sort of looked at the different generations in this book, the diff, the connection between the Yellow Wife and the House of Eve, I thought I was watching Yellowstone at the time. And, you know, I have binge watched Yellowstone and anyone who has watched Yellowstone and you know 1883 knows that it's a generational type of you know type of storyline and sort of the decisions that your ancestors have made have sort of brought you to this place where you're at now and so what are you going to leave for future generations what are you going to do with you can't do anything about the past but you can do everything about the future right and the steps that you make sort of you know set the set the tone for the future and so that's sort of what the house of eve is and you have to sort of you know let go of some things ultimately for the greater good of those that are coming behind you yeah Oh my gosh, breaking the freaking cycles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I that's definitely House of Eve. I would absolutely recommend to anybody and you have you don't necessarily even have to read The Yellow Wife. You can absolutely pick up The House of Eve and it's for anybody who loves the story of forgiveness. It's literally for anybody. But another um another sort of theme that I love is a family theme, particularly a found family. And I think I get that from my Fast and Furious obsession. (laughs) It has to be. It has to be. I think it has to be. (laughs) That makes it makes total sense. Total sense. Okay. And so one book that I that I loved, I knew nothing about going into it. I just knew of the author, but All I've Wanted, All I've Needed by A.E. Valdez. When I say I have fallen in love with A.E. Valdez this last year, I didn't even know who she was. <laughs> um, I've seen so many people talk about a worthy love. And so I read a worthy love and I thought, okay, all right, I, I like this. Let me let me go back and read what she has written, right? And so I, I read her Christmas book, A Snow King Catches His Snowflake, and it has found family themes in it. So I went back to the very first book she read. She wrote, which is all I've wanted, all I've needed. And you have this um, this character, Sunshine, who is sort of making a, a clean break 
from a from a breakup, from a long-term, you know, relationship that just was not working for her. And she has to figure life out, right? What she wants to do with her life, the relationships and the friendships that she's making, like she's literally making it on her own, right? And so you have all these friends that she makes along the way that are ride or die friends, good or bad. I don't care what decision you make. I'm, I'm always on your side. I'm going to tell you when you're wrong, but I'm always on your side. <laughs> and you need friendships like that, right? You need friends that are going to tell you the truth, but still love you through it all, right? And so that is, it, you know, whoever has not read All I've Wanted, All I've Needed, please do. It's a, it's a, it is a love story, but it's mm-hmm. a soft love story. It's like, you know, I, yes, I love the love story where you have to go through things and work things out, but how do you love me? Are you harshly loving me? Or are you loving me soft? And I love, I love found family too. Like I, I think it was Jill Chavez who I think the first time I really began to pay attention to found family. Cause I read her mm-hmm. heartbreaker. I started with her heartbreaker Bay series okay. and it's just like this group of friends who all live in this like neighborhood of like San Francisco or whatever that really like, I guess like planted the seeds. And then like, I think I really gained my respect for found family when I began slowly reading paranormal romance. And I'm like, Oh "Oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. (laughs) I get it. I get it now. (laughs) Right. It's that found family is such and I feel like an underrated thing that people really don't talk about. Yeah, you have the family that you're born into, and then you have the family that you choose. And yeah. you don't have to necessarily be biologically related to be family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there's it's fun to see a series where there's like six brothers and everybody gets a romance. And then the series keeps going because, you know, they got some cousins. So like that is so fun. Like yes. you want to feel part of the family. Mm-hmm. But there, like you said, there's also it's just something really special about like you said, this is the family I choose. Like these are the people, my ride or dies, they have my back. Like I love when you can tell like there's two or three that have been friends for years and like Mm -hmm. here's the new guy that just moved in or whatever, but he's proved himself and he's part of the pack now too. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's so, it's so fun. And maybe that's part of like your hockey romance era too because you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's like team sports kind of found family too as well, I think. I never thought about that. Yeah, because you know, we're, we're unpacking <laughs> things today, Nadia. <laughs> Sorry. People people don't believe me when I say, you know, they're like, oh, well, what do you do for therapy? I read books. I talk yeah. to people who, who <laughs> like books as well. Like, that's a form of therapy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just love that it's okay for us Black girls to be nerdy. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I and I I don't think that I really appreciated that until like I said I was an adult and yeah. the, the person that I saw that was like the ultimate nerdy girl but was doing amazing things. I don't know if you've heard of Ava DuVernay. Yes. So I don't know how I came across her. I think it it might have been I think I watched a documentary of hers um that she had done. And she directed A Wrinkle in Time. Yep. Yeah. And I would I was obsessed. I was obsessed with all things Ava DuVernay. And I said, here is a black girl with braids and glasses like I was. Like, oh my gosh. And she's yeah. doing amazing things, right? And she said, you know, I didn't pick up a lens until I was 32 years old. I was oh an adult. Gosh. And you can yeah. you can absolutely change trajectory of your life. You can absolutely change paths or careers if 
you're growing in that direction. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Tell it, Ava. Yes. <laughs> and so that is, that's, she's absolutely an inspiration to me because even though I've always, I've always read books, I've always um, been a reader, but I've also sort of kept hitting the types of books that I've loved until recently because maybe they weren't popular or no one else, you know, was reading it or I was the only one or I was, you know, this black girl reading this non non-black author's book and well why are you reading that? That's not popular or you know, that's that makes you a nerd. Okay, but I like it. Yeah. I like it, you know? Yeah. Um and just being comfortable with what you're reading or what you're writing or what the content that you're putting out because it's for you and it's for you yeah what I've found the content that I've put out if I like it I found other people who like it too like yes I haven't seen this done before yes finally someone is putting x y and z out you know and that's that's what I look for like it's intentional and it's genuine and like you enjoyed making it you enjoy going back and watching it Mm -hmm. and it just you can tell like whoever else watches this, they're, they're going to pick up on the fact that I really enjoyed what I just did. And I think we need to like, we need more of us being like, this is what I'm reading at the moment. And I'm really loving it. Cause somewhere there's some girl that looks like you. That's like, huh, I'm going to just pick up whatever I want to pick up. (laughs) And it's okay. And it's okay. Right. And I think that that's, that's the, the beauty of, when you share what you love and not necessarily what 20 other people on social media are posting, you find those hidden gems and you find those things that you would have never heard of. You would have never known what to look for if you hadn't have, if that person hadn't have shared their love. Like when I started my bookstagram, it was, you know, the year of 2020 (laughs) and I had just gotten married and I sort of put reading on the back burner for a while because I was working a lot at the time and I was just sort of life was lifing, right? And then I had all this free time and I had my regular Instagram and then I came across a few book posts and I was like, people post about books? Like, can can you do that? <laughs> I knew you could do that. And so I, I really found a community of people that like the same things. And it was trial and error of finding my people. It really boys um but once I got comfortable it was it was such a beautiful thing it was such a beautiful thing and I had a friend recently tell me you are in your element like you people literally come to me like Nadia what should I read oh yeah this what should I read you know and so getting people interested especially adults when you sort of you have life you have other things going on I can just inspire one person to read one book and just or find a genre find an author that they like I've literally done my job because books have given me so so much that I just love to share that with people you know yeah it's like kind of like we talked about earlier like you know I think there's just and I have to remember like we do live in North America and I think we here have a lot of access to books where like Mm -hmm. speaking to friends in other countries on on another continent it's like 
you know, like, no, you know, I we chatted with a friend from Brazil a couple of months ago and like audiobooks really aren't a thing there yet, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. I have to remember like, yeah, North America, I, I tend to think we're the center of the world sometimes and we're not. Mm-hmm. But speaking as a North, you know, living here in the States, it's like, we do have amazing access to books, you know? Mm-hmm. And like uh, two of my brothers growing up were not readers. They were not readers. Yeah. And now as grown men, are huge readers and all it took was for them to figure out their thing and they both are physical readers mm-hmm. you know and they love nonfiction like oh. the nerdiest of nerd nonfiction is <laughs> so crazy and like my husband's not a big reader but he's really getting into like finances and learning he's just like I wasn't raised knowing this how to be smart with money so now he's like mm-hmm. really interested in like teaching himself how to be smarter and more disciplined with money and like yeah. every time I look up there's a new Amazon order that's coming with a book about money <laughs> I'm like yes it's working all it takes is like figuring out what you need you yeah. know just figuring out what you need in that moment if it's joy and it's like something light and fluffy and airy mm-hmm. go with it people just go with it it's it's so important it's so so important um my husband i mean he's a reader but he's not a huge reader he is that musician gamer guy right and so he he watches a lot of anime which i never really watched anime until we got married and he got me into graphic novels and I so love graphic novels. He would read graphic novels. Yeah. You know, and that was sort of his thing. He would read comics and graphic novels. So like when we watch, you know, TV shows that were originally comics or graphic novels, he's just like, oh yeah, I read that. I'm like, okay, well I haven't. So what is this about? Tell me the backstories. Tell me this. And so we really, you know, bounce off of each other in that way. And I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. My graphic novels are like, I love experiencing girlhood through graphic novels. So like my big binge last year was the Lumberjanes. It's all like a group of girls at summer camp. And I loved it. I loved that. There's a series called The Paper Girls where some girls from the 80s travel to present day. And I'm like, I love a time travel when somebody comes to present day. Just popping up on my Apple books and I'm just like, should I get it? Should you I have to try it? it. Just read like the first one and see what you think. It's okay. so good. <laughs> but I have to ask, okay, so do you have any other recommendations? Because I have one more big question that I want to ask you. Yes. Um, I would say for also for found family, read the entire Roseman series. Like for mm-hmm. me, that entire series, I can't even pick just a favorite book. That entire series is just so insane and beautiful. And everyone looks out for everyone. I absolutely love it. Um, and that's by Naima Simone. Um, for friendship, and once again, I kind of divided it up. Um, I love a good friendship, just like sort of platonic or even even a friend's genuine friendship, friends to lovers type book. I, I, I like that trope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Making Faces by Amy Harmon is so beautiful. Okay. It's, it's set in like the early 2000s. So like when we were in high school, you have these high school kids and you have one who is who is dealing with an illness and you sort of, you see the, the love of friendship and you, it's 9-11 has happened and you have this small town where these, these boys are essentially going off to war and you have people telling them, well, 
why are you going off to war? You should be going to, you know, you should be going to school or you should be doing X, Y, and Z, right? And you have, but you have this friendship between these two people that's so beautiful and so loving. And Amy Harmon is brilliant at talking about the hard stuff, the hard stuff that no one really talks about, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, I'm so glad that I finally got to read it because it literally changed my life and how I looked at books and how I looked at words and storytelling. So, yeah, so Making Faces. Um, two other books for friendship, Northern Stars by Brittany Cherry. I was going to say Brittany Cherry, okay. Brittany Cherry. Um, and then The Sun and Her Star by Dylan Allen. I listened to the audio and it literally goes from childhood to adulthood. And um, you see this, this young boy who is sort of alone and sort of being abused in a sense. And he finds that one friend, that one person that loves him unconditionally. And it's his friend first. And, and I love that. The Sun and Her Star by Dylan Allen. And then once again, have you read Northern Stars by Brittany Cherry though? I haven't read that one yet. Okay. So it literally goes from high school to adulthood. And you have these you always have that one person that you can always go to, right? Mm-hmm. And so I love that book so much because you get to see the change in these characters. They are together through high school as friends and they protect each other. They love each other. They sort of have a separation and then they come back together you know, later in life, which is beautiful to see. And it's kind of when you come back together like that, it's sort of like, okay, are you the same person? Are you the person that I knew back then? Or have you changed a little bit, right? I love stories like that. Um, I think Brittany does a really good job at going back and forth in time. And that book, it's it's the final book in that series. In um, I forgot the name of the, the series, but uh, the Compass series. Oh, yeah. It's Compass number four. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so, yeah, that in, each book is incredible in its, of its own. But I think Western Waves and Northern Stars are probably my favorite, my favorite books in that series. I mean, in the male model on the cover, right? he's like staring into right? my soul. <laughs> She's got some gorgeous covers. <laughs> so those are, I would absolutely recommend that. Um, I have two more recommendations. Go ahead. Um, and I looked up this sort of theme and it's change versus tradition. Like, so kind of what you kind of grew up thinking and believing and knowing or what society sort of tells you to think versus making like a real change in, yeah. in the world based off of what you believe, right? The Songbook of Benny Lament by Amy Harmon. Okay. Um, Corey from Corey's Corner introduced me to this book when it came out. Um, I think it came out in 2020. And it's set in the 60s and you have this uh, white musician and this black singer in the 60s having to work together, right? And it's a beautiful story. It reminded me, the setting reminded me of like Sparkle or Lady Sings the Blues or something that you would see like Diana Ross starring in, right? I love this book so much. I've reread it multiple times. I will forever rave about this book. And it almost it almost sounds like it could be a true story, but it's not. It's completely fictional. <laughs> but it reads as a sort of like a bi- like musical biography, if you will. And I, I love it. So if you have not read the songbook of Benny Lament, put it on your list. If you love music, if you love like the sort of historical sort of 
storytelling type, beautiful story. Beautiful yeah, I just story. pulled it up on Goodreads and I have it as one to read mm-hmm. <laughs> since January 13th of 2023. <laughs> uh, and I just saw that Corey rated it. She like reread it four days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, my heart is so full and still belongs to Benny Lament. <laughs> I when, I got halfway through the book reading it because I, I believe I have like two or three copies of the book. So that's one thing about me too. If I love a book, I will have multiple copies. That's you know, that's my bookish trait. I don't know how, how healthy that is, but that is a bookish trait. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no judgment here. <laughs> and I remember just reading it and having to stop midway sobbing because of the emotion of this particular scene. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, can I get through the rest of this book? But it was worth it. Every can I tear, get right through the rest of it? Yes. Every tear, every emotion in the book is worth it. Well worth it. I promise. This is an experience you want to experience. You want to experience. And you. I came out feeling like how you love another person, how, you know, seeing, getting to the truth in the heart and getting to make sure that this person that you care about they may have had a crummy upbringing, but you want to make sure that the other side of their life is beautiful and filled with love and joy and appreciation. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Noted. Okay. Yes. Oh my um, gosh. The last one is Learn to Love You by Jade Hernandez. Mm. Um, and this is um, this is a book that this is brothers or best friend's brother type romance. And I, I absolutely love this book. This, this family works on, on a farm in Texas and they, the, the son is expected to take, to take over the family business, right? And he just doesn't want to do it. So he started taking, you know, classes for college and carving out a life of his own. And so it's a story of how do you deviate from the family plan that you're kind of expected to carry out and really set a life for your own, right? And with the, the the female lead, she has such a, she grew up around this family because she's best friends with his sister. And she's always had a crush on him, but she doesn't really want to say or want to admit. Like, they like each other, but they don't want the other one to admit that. <laughs> they don't want the other one to know. And I love that as well. Um, but she has some, you know, some family things that she's dealing with that she's very embarrassed about and sort of in her own healing journey as well of trying to just survive and the way that they need each other, the way that they support each other is so beautiful. So, so, so beautiful and going beyond what you're expected to to do or how you're expected to live based off of creating the life that you want. So learn to love you by Jade Hernandez. Beautiful, beautiful story. Would absolutely recommend. I mean, it does have an illustrated cover. I'm just saying. I know. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And did I judge it harshly? Yes, I did. But the, the, the reason why I judge this, this particular book a little less harshly um, is because Jade Hernandez is actually, um, I don't know if you've read Queenie and the Krakens, no. but this is um, Alira, Alira Anaya Serres. So that's, she actually, that's her, her pen name. So she has two names, new, two author names. So Jade Hernandez is actually her her real name. And so because I knew I'd read her work before, it's just under a different name. And I, I you know, agreed to disagree with the cover. I read the book anyway. <laughs> I 
love you know, it. Like, okay, it's a, it's fine. What is the story about? Yeah. Overlook the cover. It's fine. Overlooking. <laughs> Well, I have to ask you while I have you here, before we get off here, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're a Hallmark fan. Yes. What's the state of Hallmark at the moment? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Romance made for TV, you know, our go-to for the longest. You What's know, the st- as a fan, what do you feel? What are your feels for 2023 so far? I... I'm very kind I'm I'm sort of sad in the the way that it has gone. Um and I think a huge part of that was for me one of its biggest stars of the of the channel Candace Cameron Bure leaving and mm-hmm. going to another station and taking a good chunk of you know the people with her. Um it's it's different. It's in a different state than what we grew up watching, right? I would watch it not only for all of the Christmas movies, which I would watch every single one, even, you know, Christmas in July movies and, yeah. you know, everything from November to January. But it's June weddings, you know, yeah. the spring movies. Yeah, New yeah, Year's. All of the weddings, all of the baby showers, all of the, you know, like blind dates or, you know, the worst meet cute in the world type thing. Um, I I don't know where it's going to go from here because it's lost such a huge, you know, fan base. The, the, the storylines are not there like they used to be. They're not, you know... You used to could just sit down on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night and just watch movie after movie after movie or show after show after show. It's not like that now. Um, and the tone definitely has changed. And I, I hope that they're, that the creative voices, the writers, producers are able to come together and create content that people want to see and that people can gather around and watch, you know, with their families or with their friends and have like watch parties like they used to. Um, I was, I was talking to Mary Carver and she is a big Hallmark fan. She's, she's, she um, actually runs the couch podcast and she is, a Hallmark fanatic and she and I have talked about the state of of Hallmark it's not what we are used to um I do hope that it gets better I'm not 100% happy with it I'm still very nostalgic about the what was um but yeah I just I just hope it gets I hope it gets better and but it requires communication it requires listening to the viewers and the fans on what they want to see yeah and not just sort of what the content that you think should be put out there, but really listen to the viewers because that's that's how you're going to, you know, become a success is if you get people to tune in. And what do the people want to see? What kind of storylines do they want to see? You know? I mean, I think that, you know, here we are like romance readers, mm-hmm. but every now and again, you want to watch TV. You want right. to take, you want to watch something. Mm-hmm. And for the longest, like Hallmark was the go-to for that on screen right mm-hmm. and I I personally feel like and I've, I've shared this with friends like I feel like they're constantly in this battle of like trying to hold on and appease their like older OG audience that's been with them for a very long time mm-hmm. but also needing to keep up with the times and just to be honest like 
depict show you know be diverse be inclusive like all the important things that they should be doing and a huge audience of theirs I don't think necessarily wanted to see that or Mm -hmm. wants to see that hence we do get other networks that are like we're family friendly what are you really saying when you say we're family friendly because if Mm -hmm. you look at these movies we're not seeing x y and z Mm -hmm. you know so it's just I think they're in like this constant battle and is like as a, a fan of romance who wants to see romance on film. Right. Unfortunately, like a lot of their stuff lately has not been good. I personally think that they put a lot of emphasis. They put a lot of their money behind the holidays, which is a fun time to mm-hmm. be a Hallmark fan. Right. But then I'm like, where's that same energy with New Year's? New Year's romances are so fun. There's so much you can do with New Year's. Absolutely. Spring is such a beautiful season. There's so many, so many fun things you can do in the spring. You know, like people feel however they feel with June and June weddings. Like I Mm -hmm. actually think that's a lot of people's like least favorite time to watch because the wedding movies tend to just not be that good. Mm -hmm. Get some of your best rom-com writers in the room to, to fix that. Right. And then don't get me started on Fall Harvest, which <sighs> from what I've heard, yeah. they're, the over, overseas market like doesn't care about the fall like we care about the fall. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I get it. Like it's a business thing. They have to like, you know, but like as two people who live in, in, in I don't know how it is in Cali, but like mm-hmm. living in Texas, I don't really get the fall. So like I used, that was my escape was those yeah. Fall Harvest movies. Oh. And it was this beautiful, fun, tons of like fall, mm-hmm. you know, activities like a sweet spot before the Christmas season came and now you don't get it anymore and it's like dude like you we were coming to you for that and now like I'm not even really coming to you for anything Mm -hmm. there's there's so much potential for like for the summer yeah you have like the the summer wedding but what about when people go on vacation right and there's a lot of potential for if you're going on a boat for the first time or a beach house or um and for the fall you know I want to see pumpkin patches and I want to see you you know drinking apple picking and (laughs) yeah I want to see these things right make it a game to try all the fun fall coffee drinks you know at the local coffee shop or something right like and you know a a nice story about you know a small town bakery and you know a big shot architect or whatever and you need them to to rebuild and you fall in love like get creative (laughs) do something that will bring the masses together I mean because it's there there is such a gap there is such a deficit of that and it's really, it's cozy. It's cozy. It's comforting. It's, I love to be able to just, you know, put something on and make it, make it Gilmore Girls, but in movie form. Just, just, yeah. just you know, make that, sort of make that your, your, your uh, foundation. Gilmore yes. Girls in movie form. Well, tell everybody where they can and should be keeping up with you online. You can find me on Bookstagram and TikTok at Nadia's Bookish World 86. And I also have a YouTube channel called Nadia's Bookish World. And so I'm talking about all things books, all things TV and movies. And that's where you can find me. 
Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. This has been so fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're going to have to come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am in, I am actually in my, my podcast era as well. Like I think I have been for the last, you know, like two years and this podcast and the Boy Meets World podcast and Mary, the the couch podcast. And then I think Corey has another podcast as well. So I alternate. I'm always listening when I'm not reading or watching TV. Like I'm going and listening to podcasts. But this one, I'm always getting book recommendations and good conversations about the books that people are not talking about and need to be rooting for and shouting on the rooftops for. So I I love it. Thank you. I mean, a podcast era is a fun era to be in. (laughs) There's so many. (laughs) And I don't know if I'm just like at that age where I'm just like, am am I that person? Because I never used to listen to the radio, really. Mm, Like, you know, shows. I'm like, am I at that age now where (laughs) we don't have much radio? Radio is not really a thing anymore. Yeah. So podcast it is. Mm -hmm.